0: This is Developer Stories, where we ask you why you built it, and we look behind the scenes of some of Tech's passion projects and people. Welcome to the show. You're in the right place. Gather round, my gollies and goblins and gargoyles. Because this year, 2022, we have an early special Halloween episode on the Developer Stories podcast. This year we have a selection of mini horror stories, poetry, and interviews from the tech community with a few fun ones mixed in. So what would be a horror story in tech? How about, I don't know, software written with no tests that someone uses for production research and then it turns out the software was wrong? Or even worse, the backup on the HPC fails and you've lost your code. Or that time you turned on your Zoom camera and forgot that you were still in your SpongeBob pajamas, which might be the most terrifying of them all. So the stories we're going to share today, all of them have been submitted by the community or have come from publicly available sources and I've sort of put them into my own words. So without further ado, let's get started. Our first story is from an employee of a famous car company, no names needed, but this particular person worked on their back-end infrastructure. Have you heard of Jenkins? I'm sure you have. It's a self-deployed roll-your-own CI server. And he kind of looks like this little butler. You kind of feel good. You're like, oh yeah, Jenkins is like, you know, doing all the CI for me. I suppose he's kind of dapper and cute. But Jenkins, why you up to no good? In fact, one of Mr. Jenkins pipelines at this particular unnamed famous car company <coughs> caused the entire data center to reboot for an hour straight. So like, how does that even happen? Well, a few models of cars use OpenVPN to communicate with the backends at of the center and these cars deliver this chunky payload. No, this isn't your standard JSON that you take out to dinner. This payload is a monster, 20 MBs are larger. And what do we love to do with JSON? Well, we love to lint it. Actually, we love to lint many things, much more than JSON, but that's a different story. So on this fateful day, my dear listener, they had not tested the linter, and this led to a segfault, and then it rebooted. And not 20 seconds after the restart, it would happen again. Welcome to the reboot cycle. We will go on forever. So imagine you're in this data center. You are this engineer on that fateful day. Like, what would you do? All of your servers are just rebooting in some kind of terror loop. Well, there was actually nothing they could do locally short of shutting everything down, which I guess maybe could resolve the issue. But the solution that worked, and please grab something to hold on to because this is crazy hacky, was to write a Python script that would SSH into the cars to remove the ill-formatted file and prevent the loop from repeating. And I think the assumption there is that some software update is done to not generate that chunky, erroneous file again. Like seriously, when in desperation, SEND IN THE PYTHON SPAGHETTI CODE! It's the only way! And surprisingly, sometimes that does save the day. I must say, after I hear stories like this and working in tech for quite some time, I am very averse to getting any kind of car with remote control. Heck, any kind of internet thing or IOT device, I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. Here's the nopes walking away quickly in an apartment that I almost lived. They wanted our fingerprints and I I also noped right out of there. So that's our first story. I don't know if there's a good lesson here Maybe just validate your linter pipelines or your your general production pipelines before you put them into production, because when you put them into production and they're broken and wrong, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good lesson. For our next story, if the idea of losing data scares you, you might want to shut your eyes or block your ears for this one. Our story starts with a 1.5 terabyte database. was assembled over 10 years yeah i know there's probably people listening like oh 1.5 terabytes that's nothing my database was 10 terabytes my database was hundreds of terabytes and you know that's that's totally cool but for this particular database it had valuable information in it and it was 1.5 terabytes and heck 10 years that is a long time Okay, so what happened? So there was this scheduled file rotation that essentially would, well, it was supposed to save and back up this database, but it kind of destroyed it instead. it would have been fine if someone had sort of realized in advance that it was destroyed, but nobody really went to check on things until nine months later. So even though they had backups, the backups only went three months back, so they were sort of useless because the database was destroyed nine months ago. And the story doesn't have really any good ending because they absolutely could not restore the data. like It was gone forever. But the person that shared the story, he reflected that The experience really taught him a lot about research data management, and I think that's referred to as RDM, and using legacy coder databases. The storyteller also mentioned that the experience really kicked off their career in this domain, research data management. He sort of evolved from a bare sysadmin to a research software engineer, and then the research data management person that he is today. This particular story, we don't really know all of the details about why or how it had been destroyed. We can assume it was some kind of erroneous operation, but it really brings up some good lessons, I think, about how bad things happening to us. It's not like we just learn concrete things like, oh, I am going to better test my stuff or test this thing in production. We actually learn about ourselves. Some of these horror stories can change the entire path that we're taking for our career because it makes us stumble on something that we didn't know was there before. So maybe a silver lining, maybe not. I will let you decide. Our next story is about file system permissions. And no, this isn't just a case of creating some group space on HPC and then getting permissions denied or even worse when you like clone a git repository in a shared space and you totally bork it. Like Git and HPC just doesn't really work great. So our story starts with a software team. They produce software that research groups across the world use to store and manage large amounts of scientific data. Now the data that they acquire and upload is stored on a file system and its attributes, you know, for sort of caching and whatnot purposes, are recorded in an application server database. So these two things sort of need to be in sync, right? You don't want your metadata about your data to be off and et cetera, et cetera. So if there's a failed upload that leads to a useless file on the server. And then there's this sort of cleanup procedure that will delete files that aren't found in the database. It's sort of like a sync operation to make sure that your, your metadata, whatever's in the database, is matching the actual files that you have. And this is judged based on some kind of remote API call that I don't really know the details about. So anyway, this software was being used at a very prestigious institution. Use your imagination about which one, doesn't really matter. And they were using the software to store years worth of data. Now there were some privacy controls that were a bit sticky so someone ran this cleanup script right to make sure that you know things were synced we didn't have extra files logged in as the wrong user. Okay so what implications could that have? Well as a result everyone's private files that weren't shared by the researcher that ran that job were deleted like ooh. Oh my god like this is really bad that's a lot of files also that is really folks that is a really bad way to make friends if you want to make friends do not delete all their files so like what the heck did they do well you know the mistake was made they tried to learn from their mistake the team at the university that manages the software immediately alerted the community which is really the right thing to do They released a fix that wouldn't allow running this cleanup script without being logged in with the correct permissions. And they reminded users about the importance of those regular backups. I wonder the probability if you picked like a random engineer out there, I wonder how many of us have some kind of like, oh yeah, I borked this, but I had a backup versus like I borked this and nope, didn't have a backup. Be an interesting thing to kind of measure. So our next story comes from the weeds of the server room. It was a dark and stormy night in the server room. As it always is, you know, down there in this dark layer. So the person that shared this story was a junior HPC engineer and was involved in a project to install eight racks of Sun servers at Nottingham University in the UK. And this was no tiny system. It entered the top 500 at around 80 I guess that's pretty good, given 500 and the entire world. So our protagonist was tasked with running fiber optic cables between the racks, the cable routing, of course, being under the floor. Now he found a tile lifter and happily lifted out an entire row of tiles behind the racks. And oh my God. So, okay, I think the key piece of knowledge here is that if you do that, you could actually cause the racks to collapse, which would be a really bad thing. According to our storyteller, one of his managers ran into the room and hauled them out by the ear. Maybe, maybe not, like, exactly by the ear, but you you get the point. Like, this was, like, something that he should have not been doing. It was darned luck that the racks did not collapse and produce, in their words, a rather flat engineer. Yes, being a pancake engineer is definitely not uh, desired. And, you know, it really could have been catastrophic... Like, what happens when you remove the ground from under the elephant? Well, the elephant probably falls and squishes something. So anyway, what happened after that? Well, he obviously put the tiles back and there was no harm done, but it could have ended really badly with an injured engineer, injured servers. I wonder who would have been cared for more, the servers or the engineer? We probably don't want to find that out. And there's a good lesson here. One should never try to lift multiple tiles on a false floor as the tiles form part of the load bearing structure. Don't do that. And, you know, I didn't know that when I first read this story and it's kind of interesting. And it makes sense because the wires have to go somewhere. Like I've been in so many HPC centers and I've seen the lights on the front and you see some wires, but you know there have to be more wires. And where are they? Well, they're under the floor. And I guess I've just never looked under the floor. So our next story is about accidental commands. You know, everyone always jokes like, ha remove RF, like you're root of your, your operating system. Like, don't do that. Yeah, so everyone always jokes about that, doing that by accident. And this story is kind of like that, but with a different command. The storyteller was attempting to copy emails. So I think this was likely on a managed server, maybe some time ago, because most people use like Microsoft Outlook, I guess, these days, Gmail, and they had a backup script. So they had tested it once and it worked, but they failed to realize that there was a typo. From the gist of the story, I think it was supposed to use the move command, but instead it was using the remove command. You know, on the command line, it's like MV versus RM, slight difference, just a typo. So it wasn't caught in testing. And then essentially when it was run, well, all the emails were deleted because that's kind of what remove does. And some of you might be being like, oh, well, if all the emails were deleted, isn't that a blessing in disguise because nobody likes email? And maybe like, I. but obviously you can imagine this could be a very bad thing because like we sort of rely on email for our, our work and our lives in anyway, way. They were all deleted. So a good part of the data, the, the storyteller reports was lost forever. However, akin to these other stories. The storyteller did learn quite a bit about running data recovery on a Linux file system. There, there are ways to go about it. And the lesson is just to be like really careful about move and remove commands and just generally commands and scripts and scripts in general, like maybe double, triple check your stuff in your scripts, run them in a safe environment first, get code reviews from others. Like there's so many ways that could have been prevented And if we really look kind of under the hood of a lot of these stories, I guess I sort of wonder about the emotional state of the people at the time. Like if you're really stressed or you're really busy, you kind of maybe don't pay as much attention to detail as you should and or you're just really tired and you're more likely to make a mistake. So I feel like under a lot of these stories, there's probably this underlying thing of like the person wasn't taking care of themselves, or it wasn't their fault. They were in an environment that wasn't really healthy and it led them to make a mistake and then you know it led to this great story but on the other hand it also was a bad thing overall. Our next creepy story from Tech Horrors comes from Mike Phelan and we are also in a dark and stormy night in the sysadmin layer of a search engine company. Our hero Mike is just starting some work. So Mike was working for this company and they sold premium documents. The entire system was live. It had a large audience. You can imagine the glowing lights. Maybe they're green. Maybe there's a little red one somewhere. His role was Unix Systems Administrator, and he was tasked with attaching a new RAID storage drive, which had already been populated with premium documents, like chef's kiss premium documents. At the least active moment, In the middle of the night, so like we really are in the middle of the night in like a server room which is why I absolutely love this story. He repointed the system to the new RAID storage drive and everything worked. Another chef's kiss, voila! He rushed out of work to catch the last subway train home, can't even believe there are subway trains in the middle of the night, I guess I'm just not a very prominent train user. And a few hours later, he was getting these notifications, notifications, notifications. There's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. Like, oh, my God. Oh, no. And so the premium document service was down. He had to wait until 5 a.m. to catch the first subway train back to work. And for folks that have been in that situation where something's going wrong and you have to get back to physical hardware to like debug it and you know that like you're might be in trouble, your company might be in trouble, your customers maybe can't use a service like this is a super high stress situation. So when he got there, there was a contractor who predated him at the company and this contractor, (laughs) in the words of Mike. Worked vampire hours. Was he a vampire? Maybe he could have been a vampire. Maybe, maybe if you're a vampire and you just like need a job for money because you want to go, you know, bite people's throats in the middle of the night. Maybe you become an HPC admin. I don't know. I can't tell. I've never met some of these people, but anyway. So this contractor happily informed Mike that the system connecting to the raid had been restarted and was no longer connecting to the document store. After much troubleshooting, rereading the documentation, Mike realized that he had mounted the logging mount point. Ah, scream, run right away, we mounted the wrong point, not the correct mount point or the normal mount point. And so the logging mount point had worked initially, but obviously didn't connect on restart of the system. So, like, oh my God, what happened? Well, Mike carefully read the instructions, the instructions for how to do this thing, slowly made changes and let it all run. I guess ultimately it failed. I think people kind of swooped in to help maybe this particular contractor. And Mike followed up the contractor, continued to work there for years and you know had proved himself irreplaceable as, as vampires usually do. Uh, however, Mike decided to go to his first programming-oriented job as a Klosp Lisp developer support agent, debugging scripts for industrial companies that manufacture things like jet engines. That is pretty darn cool. And so that's the horror story. One tiny little mistake you can imagine just like the path that he had chosen was wrong and he missed it. And again, here's that theme, that sub theme coming up again in these horror stories about the time constraints, the working constraints that we place ourselves under. Like, let's let's go back to that night. It's the middle of the night. And imagine that Mike didn't have to rush out to catch a train or if he was able to do it earlier in the day and he didn't have the same pressure or the same tiredness and his mind wasn't in this, like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta catch the train and I'm, and I'm really tired kind of state. What would have happened? Maybe he would have chosen the correct mount point. He would have read those instructions. And maybe he would have taken a different path than he ultimately took. And that's why some of these horror stories are so interesting. Because you kind of look at them and you realize how important the mental state of the person is. And the situation, the environment they're in it is. And you just imagine all the different possible realities that could have resulted. Huh. And I kind of like this idea of of realities. Maybe this will be a a future Halloween episode. So the outcome of the story is kind of mixed. You know, he didn't keep that original job and it was a mistake to attach the raid to the wrong place. But ultimately, I guess things worked out okay. And you know what? I kind of like reading these stories because I think we really need to normalize them a bit more. Like Working in tech, working especially when you're managing like hardware, servers, infrastructure, it is hard. Just think of if you're like a cloud developer and you check the wrong kind of instance type and all of a sudden, the amount of money that you've been saving for retirement is spent in five hours. I mean, this kind of thing happens, but if we don't share the story, if we don't normalize it a bit, that we are imperfect and we make mistakes, Then we start to think that no one else makes mistakes. And then when we make a mistake, we say, you know what? I am not good enough for this role. I made this mistake. No one makes mistakes. Look, everyone makes mistakes and it's okay. That is like the meta theme that I took away from a lot of these horror stories. You know what? We do our best and we learn from our mistakes and that's a really good outcome. This next story comes in the form of a poem and hints on a topic that sends shivers even up the most experienced engineer's spine. Cloud computing cost. (laughs) So here we go. Twas the fourth day of July and all through the town, not a single person was working except for this one clown. He had planned an exciting day, personal projects in his lair. Some Python and Go and YAML would soon be right there. As he started up his work, an email came into his box. It gave him quite a shirk because it was a cloud budget alert. 50% of budget exceeded, it exclaimed with a mark. And soon following that 100%, he felt his soul fall swiftly. Into the dark. Going to the console to see the costs, that's when his soul and spirit was definitely lost. Alone in the apartment complex with the servers under attack, and especially on a holiday, it was help he would lack. Away to his contact list, he clicked with urgency. He tried to reach the director, but she was nowhere to be seen. Away to the cloud support, he filled in the form with hope. But filing a ticket would not be fast. So that was yet another nope. He was all alone. What would he do? Shut the thing down and then think about it anew? Stop servers, stop builds, stop networks, stop triggers, stop webhooks, interfaces, APIs, and users. To the drawing board to come up with a plan. Now draft away, draft away, draft away all. As the service was shut down, he breathed some relief, but it ultimately was not going to resolve his grief. It took weeks to find out what happened, and it was rate limiting he had missed. And he had a choice to take responsibility and action, or to become totally amiss. He chose the first, redesigning the server with limits. He removed unnecessary functionality and made the changes explicit. It was about a month later and it all came back online and the server ran successfully until it was the end of its time. So what lessons do we learn here? Perhaps that all of us make mistakes, but it is how we respond that determines the ultimate take. When faced with crisis, there can be a way out if you put your head down and do not resort to shout. Make mistakes he did, and grow from them he will. This horror story went to growth from something rather shrill. Dear listener, I hope that you too grow. I hope that we normalize these stories in our community and we have so much wisdom to show. And on that final insight, happy Halloween to all, and to all a good night. So thanks folks for listening to these stories. Happy Halloween.